today comes from Romans 7, verses 1 through 6. And here's what the word of the Lord says. Or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were still living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we're released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. This is God's Word. I want to talk to you today about the struggle with sin. In our journey through the book of Romans, we came last week to the question that many people ask, is grace dangerous? They ask that question because the gospel of grace we've received seems just a little too good to be true. As we've seen, we're saved completely by God's work on our behalf, by grace. And the same grace that saves us carries us all the way home to heaven. Our performance neither saves us nor keeps us saved. So some people say, well, if that's what you believe, you're encouraging people who say they're saved to live out of control lives. Sin doesn't matter anymore if that's the way things are. Since that obviously can't be true, we really do have to keep the law if we want to be saved. The answer to that, as we saw last week, is that such people don't understand what happens in the soul of a truly converted person. Someone who is saved doesn't have to keep the law. He gets to do all the things the law demands without being required to do it. Now, this whole question of the law and how we live as believers is what today's study is about. In chapter 7, we learn three things about the law and about our struggle with sin. First, we learn that we are free from the law's power to condemn us. Second, We learn that even though we are free, we still struggle with sin every day. And third, we learn that we have a better help than the law in our struggle against sin because Christ himself is now our helper in the battle. So let's dive in and look at chapter 7. The verses we've read today use an example from life to picture our new relationship with God's law once we've become Christians. Just as a married woman is released from the law of marriage when her husband dies and she's free to marry again, so it is with anyone who's put their faith in Christ. When we put our trust in Jesus, we die with him, spiritually speaking. God declares that the penalty for our sins, death, has been satisfied, and it's been satisfied on our behalf by Jesus' death for us, so that we're no longer considered to be guilty in God's eyes. We also are raised spiritually with Jesus, receiving a whole new life like his 
just because we put our faith in him. We're no longer married to Adam, but we're now married to Christ in the figure of this analogy that Paul is using in Romans 7. Now, in just the same way that the law of marriage no longer applies to a widow and she's free to marry again, the law of sin and death that condemned us when we did something wrong has now lost its power over those of us who believe in Jesus. And that's pretty good news. And that's the first thing that we see in Romans 7. The second thing that we need to see is that our daily struggle with sin continues. Some make the mistake of thinking that because our sins are forgiven and the law's power over us is broken, that they should no longer have such problems with sin as they had before they came to Christ. When they discover in life that the struggle goes on, well, they often draw a mistaken conclusion. They think, I must not really be saved. If I'm really saved, why am I still struggling with sin? So the second thing that we're told in this chapter is that it's perfectly normal for our struggle with sin to continue once we become believers. Paul described his struggle with sin in verses 21 through 24. Paul wrote, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I mean, think of it. If the Apostle Paul wasn't spared such a profound struggle against sin, well, what chance have you got? No. Struggling against sin is perfectly normal for those who are in Christ. In fact, if someone claims to be a Christian and isn't struggling against sin, there's a good chance that person has never experienced conversion at all and is still in Adam rather than being in Christ. Now, the way that natural men and women try to overcome sin's power, if they try at all, is always by keeping laws. But since those who are Christians are no longer under the law's authority, there must be some new way provided by God for us to overcome the power of sin that still tempts us. And blessedly, there is. And that's the third thing we're told in chapter 7. Paul gives us the pathway in Romans 7, 24 and 25, when he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And now here comes the cure. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. His good news is that our deliverance from sin's power comes to us in just the same way that our salvation came, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ himself will help us overcome the power of indwelling sin without resorting to the use of the law. Now, how in the world can that happen? Well, the answer is in chapter 8, but that's for next week. So how can we use the things we've learned today? Well, first, we can release ourselves from the guilt we feel because of our imperfections. Most of us are still carrying around the idea that we have to keep the law in one way or the other. 
And of course, that always leads to self-condemnation because not one of us can keep the law. That's the point of the law. But now that we've been released from the law's authority to condemn us, we can stop condemning ourselves. Secondly, we can face the fact that the principle of sin still lives in us, even though we've been forgiven by God. And that means that our ongoing struggle with sin isn't anything strange for true believers to experience. It's comforting to realize that our struggle with sin isn't evidence of our being lost. In fact, it's much more evidence of our being saved. No one struggles with sin quite so much as a devoted follower of Christ. Finally, we can rejoice in the fact that we have real help in our struggle against sin. Just as the grace of God in Jesus has saved us, the grace of God in Jesus will help us gain the victory over sin day by day. Three good lessons from Romans 7. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace toward undeserving sinners. You freed us from the condemnation of the law. You reassured us about the normalcy of our struggle with sin. You've given us everything we need for victory over sin in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We praise you for loving us so much, and we thank you for these good gifts. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us again today. Remember, struggling with sin is a normal part of our Christian life.